Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to you. Uh, we're glad to have you here. Uh, for those of you, we have a lot of you this morning that are first-time guests with us here today. And so uh, for those of you who are our first-time guests, uh, we want to say welcome to you. Glad to have you here at Northridge. Um, and we just want you to know, thank you for taking a risk. To, to check out a new place, to try a new group of people, a new place, to go to church in a village center. <laughs> it, it kind of weird. So really, we, 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 we appreciate you taking a risk on us and, and taking a risk on God. Um, so thank you for doing that. Uh, the second thing that we want you to know, though, if you're, especially if you're first time, but this is for everybody, but especially for first time guests, we also want you to know that this is a safe place for you. That Northridge Church is a safe place. No matter where you're at with God, maybe you're here and you believe in Jesus, you believe everything that we just sang in those songs, those first few songs in the worship today. Uh, maybe you are, maybe you're here though and you're on the other end of the spectrum and you say, you know, I honestly don't know what I believe. I'm not sure where I'm at. I'm not sure if I believe in God or Jesus or the Bible or, or, or any of that stuff. And, and wherever you're at, I want you to know, this is a safe place for you. If you have questions about who God is, about why you know we live according to this book, the Bible, and make this our compass for life, why do we do that? Now, if you have questions about that or what it, simply what it means to follow Jesus on a regular daily basis, we want you to know this is a great place for you to be so you can ask those questions. We actually look forward to that kind of thing. Uh, we, don't, we don't get scared of that. So we're glad to have you here. Well, we're in the middle of a series called The Power of a Story. Very simply put, this series, we're, we're doing a couple of different things. One, we are using personal stories and talking. We're having several people from Northridge who have shared their personal stories of how God has specifically and very powerfully impacted their lives and helped them through amazing, sometimes difficult things. Uh, but then the other thing that we're doing is we're tracing stories in the Old Testament. We're actually looking at the history the story of the Israelites in the Old Testament of the Bible. And so today we're going to continue that. Uh, but before I get into that, how many of you, just, I'm just curious about this, how many of you last week watched the Academy Awards, watched, watched the Oscars? Anybody here? You don't have to be shy about it. It's okay. Okay, we got a handful of you, like all five of you. Okay, that's awesome. Um, th- that's cool. No, that's cool. I was just curious. I was like, maybe everybody, maybe not. I didn't know. Um, so, uh, so that was obviously last week. Um, then a couple of weeks before that, I don't know how many of you watched this, I'm not going to ask for hands again, but the, the Grammys were on, right? We had the Grammy Awards. Um, so did you notice that everybody that wins something in that category, in their category, did you notice what they got? When they would get up there, what did they hand to them? They handed them a trophy, didn't they? They hand them like the Oscar, uh, for the Oscars, the Academy Awards, or for the Grammys, you have this megaphone thing, and, and then and all kinds of stuff. And maybe for you guys, maybe you uh, remember when you were a kid or a teenager or just sometime in your past when you were in uh, a tournament or maybe you did a music competition or an art competition or maybe a drama competition, speaking competition, could be just uh, sky's the limit. But remember if you just participated or if you won something, you got a ribbon, a medal, a trophy, right? Do you remember that? The kind of those things? And how many? Of, no, I won't ask you how many of you have a box of those things sitting somewhere. Uh, I, I'm probably mine is somewhere, right? Where they're all crammed off in a corner somewhere uh, in our memoirs or something. But why do we do that? Why do we give trophies? Why do we give medals? Why do we give awards? Or maybe you guys got a certificate. I, that was one I left out, right? Sometimes we get certificates for things. Why do we do that? One big reason isn't why we do that. One reason is so that we commemorate something good, something that we get excited about, like a memorable thing that we're like, whoa, that was awesome. I remember that. 
Wow. In fact, I know I did go through a box. This was years ago. And I found like ribbons from my old field day uh, thing in elementary school. You know, when we had races and we have to do the shuttle run and all kind of stuff. I had ribbons. I was like, man, you know, I was like, the ribbon means nothing now, of course. But I was like, man, those were good days. Ah, I loved that. That was fun. We commemorate great things that happen. Well, today we're going to get into the next part of the Israelite story, their history. And you're going to find something that they have to commemorate. Uh, and we're going to talk about that. So let me set up the story. Last week, we were in Joshua chapter 3, and the Israelites all have crossed the Jordan River miraculously, right? God stopped the river from flowing so that they could cross the Jordan River into the promised land. And so where we're going to pick up the story is literally the very next second, like the next moment. So we ended in chapter 3 of Joshua. Now we're going to go to chapter 4, verse 1, because we, uh, we did the last verse of the previous chapter. Now we're in the first first verse of the very next chapter. So this is literally the next moment after everybody has crossed over the Jordan River. This miracle has happened, and we're going to pick it up right from there, okay? So they've just crossed the river, and then God is going to tell Joshua and the people to do something, all right? So Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. It'll be on the screen behind me. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Jordan River, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Remember, they're still standing there holding the Ark of the Covenant. Okay, Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan, in front of the Ark of the the Lord, or the Ark of the Covenant, your God. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder. That tells you how big the stones are going to be, right? It's not a little stone, right? Twelve stones in all, one for each of the twelve tribes of Israel. So we're going to stop there for just a minute. I want to just summarize what has happened. So so the Israelites, probably close to a million people, maybe a little bit more, they've all just seen the river literally stop for them. Not only that, but God dries out the land so they can walk across it, right? This is a true miracle. This doesn't just happen. Even if the wind blows all day, it's probably still not going to be completely dry. But he dries it out, so they walk across. A million people across the Jordan River, the dry riverbed. Okay, now they get to the other side. They're in enemy territory, right? We know that the city of Jericho is like in sight. It's right there. They see everybody coming across. It's kind of hard to hide a million people, right? I mean, you're not, you're not going to be like, okay, everybody duck behind a bush. You know, it's not, it's not going to happen. There's a million people. And so Jericho, they can see them. Okay. So they're out there. They're in enemy territory. These people in Jericho do not want them there. They could attack at any time. They've just seen this incredible miracle happen. And the first, get this, the first thing that God asked Joshua and the people to do is to make a big pile of rocks. Okay, everybody stop. I need you guys to go back, and you need to get 12 stones from the middle of the river, and we're going to make a pile. Yeah, I know, that's what we need to do, so let's get that done. Does it strike you as weird that that's what God wants them to do? <laughs> After this miraculous crossing of the river, and he says, let's go get 12 stones and make a pile out of them. Right? Does that just seem weird? And the question that I have, honestly, is why? Why it seems very weird, not very important, that of all the things you need to do, like maybe set up some defense perimeters, kind of like get things ready, make sure they're not going to attack, you know, set up some lookouts, whatever. Nope, God says, grab 12 stones and let's make a, uh, like a pile of them. Okay? So we'll get to that 
answer in just a minute, but I want to make a point that's very interesting out of this. Did you notice that God was very specific? He said, you need to go grab 12 stones from the middle of the riverbed. 12 stones. Not 14, not 10, 12. You need to grab 12 stones. He didn't just say, go get some rocks. He said, grab 12 stones. And by the way, they need to be big, so carry them on your shoulder, right? If it was a little rock, I, you, don't, you wouldn't see me walking around and be like, if I could hold it in my hand and put it on my shoulder, and be like, man, this thing is heavy, right? That's, that'd be weird. These suckers are huge, okay? So they're going to carry them on their shoulders, going to walk out, and they're going to do this. So, so why 12 stones? Well, this is why. God's communicating something very important to the Israelites and to you and I. What is that communication? What is that 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 message that God is trying to get across. He's trying to get this across. There are 12 tribes of Israel, right? There's only 12 tribes. There's not more than that. There's not less than that. God wanted to communicate to all the Israelites right away. You are now in the promised land. This is the land I am giving to you. But I want you to know, first and foremost, before we do anything else, that I have invited you into my story. Not just Joshua, because he led us across the river. Not just the priests because they get to carry the Ark of the Covenant, which is really important. But I am calling every single person. I'm inviting every person who wants to be a part of my story to be a part of my story. I want every tribe, I want every child, I want every person in every tribe to understand that I have invited them to be part of my story. It required faith on everybody's part to cross that river, didn't it? And so he's saying the same thing to you and I. No matter who you are, no matter where you're at with God, I want you to know, and God wants you to know, he is inviting you into his story, into his mission. No matter who you are, no matter what your past is. Now, whether or not we accept it, of course, is on on us. It's up to us. But God has invited all of us, and this is why he chose 12 stones. But now, let's go back to that first question. Why a pile of rocks right away at the beginning, right? Why, why, did he, why did he decide to do this? Well, Joshua's actually going to tell us because after they get the stones, Joshua explains to the people why God tells them to do this, all right? So let's go to the next couple of verses and Joshua's going to explain why are we making a big pile of rocks, right? Uh, verses six and seven. Joshua talking here, he says, we will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future... Your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So this brings us to our second key point, and that that is this. It is important for the Israelites, and it's important for you and I, to set up markers, to set up memorials, to set up things, or maybe we could call it habits or routines in our lives that will help us or even force us to remember who God is and what he's done in our lives. God is constantly working in us and through us. God is constantly doing amazing things, but the difference is whether or not we acknowledge it and remember it and live according to it. Okay, this is one of those things where they are setting up 12 stones so that not only the people that just saw this happen, because I don't know about you, but but we can very quickly forget the good things that people do or the good things that God does, can't we? Very quickly. If all of a sudden we wake up a couple of days later and, and something horrible happens, very quickly that becomes the consuming thing, doesn't it? 
I know for me in my life that does. If I wake up and I get bad news or whatever, uh, like this morning, my kids wake me up at five in the morning, an hour before I have to open my eyes. I'm just not a happy dude. I'm not. I mean, I said to my kids this morning, I said, go back to bed. That's what I said. And I said it about like that. It's like, seriously, why are we, we're having a conversation at five in the morning. That's just not human, right? Some of you are like, five in the morning is like sleeping in. Okay, I get it. Okay, I'm different. I'm sorry, right? But it's just one of those things. And so this stuff kind of consumes us. And so what God is doing is he is setting a standard right away. He's saying, I'm going to do a lot of good things in your life, but I need you to remember that so that you know what, how to live your life in the future. And so you can tell the generations of kids behind you, your kids and their kids, kids and their kids, 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 that this is what I have done and this is what I want to do. Just an example of this. This is a very simple, very small, uh, but a practical example. Um, many of you do this as well, but Laura and I, we have a, a routine, a habit that before we eat, before we have a meal, a lot of you do this too, right? We pray. Why do we do that? Does, does the Bible require us to do that? No, it doesn't. It doesn't actually require. Now, is it exemplified in here? Do a lot of people do that? Yeah, Jesus himself even does that. Before he breaks bread, before he, they get into a meal, he stops and, he, and it says he gives thanks, which basically means he, he's thanking God. He's giving praise to God for providing that meal, for providing that food. So Laura and I do this, whether we're on a date night, just the two of us, or we have our kids at home, or we're out to eat with other people. Now, we don't do it like a legalistic thing. It's not like, okay, oh, we missed it. Some people and I'm, I'm sorry to step on your toes if you believe this, if we don't pray, if we don't bless the meal, something bad is going to happen at the meal, right? I mean, I've heard some people say that. We're like, oh, it's going to, you know, something's not going to go right. It's going to taste terrible because we didn't bless it before. We're not, Laura and I, we're not legalistic about that. That's, that's just kind of silliness. But, but the truth is, why do we do it? You know why we do it? Because we all have to eat. And it is a great opportunity. It's something that's going to happen every day. And it's a great opportunity for Laura and I to remind ourselves, to remind our children, to remind anybody that we're with, and to make sure that we give thanks to God for the constant provision that he gives to us. It's our constant daily acknowledgement that all this stuff that we have, this house, this, this, the food, the, you know, the cars that we drive, all that, that's from God. That's not because I'm so good. That's because God's so good. And so it's one of those things, it's those habits where we set it up. It's kind of like we're making a pile of 12 stones every day before we eat. We're saying, God, you're good. Thank you. Thanks for this food. We don't want to take it for granted. Other people can't take it for granted around the world, can they? So thank you. And it's, a, it's one of those just habit things that we do that. And so in making this big pile of stones, God was setting up the standard. He's saying, listen, I, you can't forget this. You can't forget what I just did, what, I, what happened, because this is something that will guide you for the rest of your lives and your kids' lives and their kids' kids' lives and your grand, 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 great, 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 grandkids' lives. God was setting the standard. But I'd have to say that before we go to this next section, that this pile of stones 
It could be one of those things, and maybe you guys have this tendency, sometimes I do, sometimes a memorial, sometimes a trophy. Have you ever heard anybody say, like, they pull out their trophies from their football days or their, or their track days, and you're like, man, I was the fastest one in the school, and they, they kind of, they, they herald it, and they'd be like, man, those were the good days. Ooh, Friday night lights, right? I mean, I, I think of those kind of days, like in high school and sports. I'm like, I was, I was a sports guy. I played a lot of sports. I get it. I get that. And we kind of, we focus, we dwell in the past. We're like, oh, I gotta go back to those days, right? Let me just tell you that this pile of stones, these 12 stones that God is having them set up is far less about the past and far more about the future. Let me read what, uh, in fact, we're gonna jump to the very end of chapter four now. So everybody's crossed. They, they're making the pile of stones. They made this memorial. And then Joshua kind of talks to the people and there's some key things that happen. So uh, verse 19 through 24, listen to what it says. It says, the people crossed the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. Then they camped at Gilgal, just east of Jericho. It was there at Gilgal that Joshua piled up the 12 stones taken from the Jordan River. So that just says they were faithful to do what God said. Then Joshua said to the Israelites, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the river right before your eyes, and he kept it dry until you were all across, just as he did at the Red Sea when he dried it up until we had all crossed over. Now catch what he says in this last verse. Joshua said, he did this, God did this, So all the nations of the earth, that means everybody on the planet, might know that the Lord's hand is powerful. And so you, all the Israelites, might know and might fear the Lord your God forever. So what does that mean? What this is trying to say is that God said, hey, I want you to get free from slavery in Egypt. That was a big risk. Then he had them cross the wilderness for a long time. That was a big risk. Then he asked them to cross the Jordan River. And and remember, he asked Joshua to stand out in front of the river. And he asked the priest to get in the water, flooded water. It had overflowed its banks, right? It's a raging river. And he asked the priest to actually step in the water before he stopped it. And so now they've crossed the river. Now they're in a land where everybody wants to take them out including the city of Jericho, which is just a mile or less away. It's right there on their doorstep. And so now they all have had had to take these faith risks, these steps of faith to follow who God is and follow what God wants them to do. So what is God saying with this pile of stones? It's this third key point, and that is this. God wants us to think about what he's done in the past, but only because he wants us to realize what he is excited about doing in the future. Does that make sense? God wants us to remember the good things, the great things that he has already done only because, not so we can be like, yay, God, woo! And God says, keep it going, woo! He wants us to remember because he has amazingly new things planned for us. God calls all of us, you, me, everybody, As individuals, he calls our families. He calls us, Northridge Church, he is calling us to take risks for him. All the time. All the time he's asking us to step in the river before he stops it. And then when we step in, then he says, okay, now watch what I can do. 
but he asks us to consistently take risks. So you might be here and say, okay, so we've talked about a big pile of rocks today. It's exciting. Thanks, glad I showed up for the pastor to tell us about a big pile of rocks. So what does it mean for us, right? We always have to ask that question here at Northridge, don't we? We always have to ask the question, what, is, what does this mean? What is the big deal about this story of a big pile of stones, 12 stones from the middle of a river set up where they camped? What, what does this mean for us? Well, let me give you two possible responses. And I believe that all of us fall into one of these two possible responses. Okay, the first response is what I would call getting on God's team. Getting on God's team. Getting into his family. This is a very simple one. This is a very simple one to to figure out for you guys, if you're in this category. Um, If you're here and you've never accepted Christ, you've never chosen to give your life and accept the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross, okay? The reason he died on the cross was to pay for my sins was to pay for your sins, was to pay for the sins of everybody on this planet, past, present, and future. He literally took the sins of everybody. When he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for us, for our sin. Getting on God's team, just understand that God has invited everybody to be on his team. Just because you're invited to be on the team doesn't mean you actually are on the team. You have to join. You have to sign up. Right, And so if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus, you've never said, okay, I'm in. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that, that when he died, that, that, was, took, that took my sins away. If I accept him, that he rose from the grave uh, just uh, three days later and, and that I will give my life to him. If you've never chosen to do that, then even though the invitation has been there for a long time, you're not on God's team. It's not because he hasn't invited you. It's because you have said no. And so do you want to get on God's team? Do you want to be part of his family? He wants you to be. Did you know that God is praying for you to do this? He's desiring more. There's nothing more that he desires than to be in relationship with you for you to be part of his family. And so maybe that's a response that you want to take today. And let me just tell you, usually a lot of times you guys know, uh, we do, we give this opportunity a lot here at Northridge. I'm not going to spend time going through the salvation and all kind of stuff, how to give your life to Christ and all kind of stuff. We do that a lot. We will do it a lot again in a service on Sunday morning. But here's, I'm going to ask you to take a little bit harder step. If you have never accepted Christ and you feel like you really need to, or you want to, and, and you're not sure how to do it, here's what I want you to do going to have to take a step of faith. You're going to have to step in the water before it stops. Okay. I want you to take it. You guys have connect cards. If you don't have a connect card, you can get one. Okay. There's a ton of them sitting right out here, out this side, this door. So you're going to have to take the step, put your name on a connect card, put a number or an email on there. And then I want you in the little section where it says comments and prayer requests. Okay. I want you to write, I want to get on God's team. Okay. That will tell me exactly what you want to do, that you want to accept Christ. And then what will happen is I'll contact you. 
We'll talk about what it looks like, how you can accept Christ. It's extremely simple. Trust me, I'm not going to have a captive audience. I'm not going to keep you for an hour. We might talk for, honestly, generally, the conversation is like five to ten minutes, sometimes even less, because people don't. Sometimes they have questions, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they have questions, and we talk for like half an hour. But that's only if they have questions. If you have never accepted Christ, my encouragement is for you to fill that out, put it in the Connect Card box, and then I'll contact you this week. Okay, so that's the first response. That's for anybody here who has not ever accepted Jesus. The second response is this, and this is what I would call it getting in the game. You got to get in the game. All right. This is very simple. Um, if you have already accepted Jesus, you're already a Christian, like you're all in, you believe that Jesus died for you, you already accepted that, you're, Jesus has forgiven you of your sins, then, then the question is, are you in the game? Because you might be on the team, you might, you might be part of God's family, but you might be sitting on the couch most of the time. Okay, the proverbial couch, you understand. All right? I'll be sitting on the couch later this afternoon, but that, that's not where we're going. All right? I mean, you're sitting on the bench. God says, man, this is awesome. You, you accepted, you, you've been forgiven of your sins. This is amazing. Thank you for believing in me. And, and then after that, we've sat on the bench. Just sat on the bench and watched what God does. Just sat and watched the game. Watched what he's doing. And so maybe a step of faith for you is to take a major risk and start actually getting involved in what God is doing. It could be a, a ton of different things, but maybe, maybe it's volunteering to help at Northridge. So many of you do that. Did you know that close to a third to a half of our church every Sunday morning is not in this room? You realize that, right? About a third to a half of our church, all people that consider Northridge to be their place, are not in this room. They're, they're down in the gym or up in the activity room or in the dance, dance studio. You know where we have a lot of our people right now? Why they're not in here right now? Because they're teaching the kids about who God is. Did you know what's happening in the dance studio right now? They're washing their feet. Yeah, it's cool. I told them I was coming in between services because <laughs> my, my feet could use it. Uh, they they kind of they nervously laughed. They thought maybe I was serious. I was... Actually, if I, show, I should show up there, shouldn't I? In, in between, be like, okay, I wasn't kidding. Uh, let's get this done. But, uh, but they're, they're washing their feet. They're, we are teaching the kids about who Jesus is and how they can live their life according to God too. We have people that greeted you this morning. We have people that set out the signs. We have all this stuff needs to be set up. We have a lot of things that, are, that God is doing through Northridge. But in order to do that, we need a lot of people to get on board. That's the truth. And can I tell you that our expectation here at Northridge, if you're a follower of Christ and you're part of our church, we want you involved. We don't want you just to be here. We want you involved. Okay, that doesn't mean we're going to stick you in the nursery for 15 more years. All right? I always joke about that because, I mean, I know. I know where our mind goes. That's where mine goes. I'm like, man, if I sign up, they're going to shove me in some corner with like 12 screaming babies. We have never forced anybody, not a single person, to ever do anything that they didn't want to do. We've asked them, and they've agreed to do things, whatever. But we ask. Um, God calls us to take risks. I just want to share with you, for Laura and I, a risk that God um, asked us to take personally, 
So me individually, Laura individually, our family, and Northridge all in the same time. Like it was a risk for all of us. Uh, and you guys know that coming to plant Northridge was a risk. Of course, that was kind of the big one. Um, that was the scariest thing I've ever done, still is <laughs> to some degree, some days. Um, and, and God has been awesome. But uh, when we first moved to Wanakee, we had lived here for uh, just, a, just a couple months, three months, something like that. And so we were sitting there and we were, we were kind of, we were talking, we were praying. Uh, it was Laura and I, and we at the time had two kids. We didn't have Tanner, so we didn't have our third yet. Uh, he's only three now, so we didn't have Tanner. So we just had Jackson and Hannah. And, uh, and then we had another guy named Craig Raymond. He was single at the time, wasn't married yet. He's now married and, and, and all that, but uh, just Craig. And then my parents who lived in Middleton. So that was good. They were in the room. They were kind of helping out with things. We had a, a couple named Bogey and Brenda that had moved up from Illinois. He had, he had basically, he had given up his job and he and his wife had moved up to Wanakee just to help us spend a year helping us get Northridge going. Amazing, amazing people. And their daughter, Abby, moved up from Georgia to join them to kind of help get things going. So we had eight adults in the basement of our house talking about, okay, what are we going to name the church? You know, praying about all these things, just kind of going through the initial stuff. And so one thing that we had to decide is how are we going to start doing ministry? Because what we knew we were not going to do is we were not going to just start having a Sunday morning service, right? Uh, I mean, we have eight adults. These are the only people we know, essentially. I mean, we knew a few other people, but not many. We just moved into Wanakee. And and so we're like, okay, what are we going to do to bless the community? What, What is God calling us to do first? So what we came up with, we had eight, you know, eight adults. We're like, okay, what can we do? (laughs) There's only eight of us and and my two kids. Literally, that's all we had. Uh, And so we decided, you know what? We're going to start with a midweek children's ministry. We're going to start by doing children's ministry and then allow God to work it out from there, right? To grow us from there or do what he's going to do. And so we rented these very rooms, Okay, these are the very rooms we're in. In fact, if you see this right behind me, this is a movable wall, and there's another movable wall right there, and those were closed. So this track, that was closed, that was closed. This, this breaks into three separate rooms. Some of you didn't even know that, did you? Okay, I just blew your mind. You're, you're welcome. Uh, and, and three rooms, so we had three separate rooms with these walls, and so we had three separate class areas. Okay? And so we rented out this space on Wednesday nights, and we sent out a mailer to the whole community and basically just very simply said, hey, we're a new church in town. Uh, we just named it Northridge Church. So we're like, we're like, oh, we get to put our name on something. Yeah, that's cool. So we put Northridge out there and, and, the, and the mailer just said, hey, we're, we're a new church in town. We're going to teach kids of this age to this age, like ages four or five, four, I think, three or four, up to like fourth grade or fifth grade. And, and we're going to teach them character principles based on God's word. That's what we did. We just threw that out there, let everybody know, hey, this is what we're going to do. It's on Wednesday nights at the Village Center. At that point, we knew we had my son Jackson. He had to go. <laughs> He's my son. My daughter, Hannah, is only like two. So she's, she can't go. She's too young. Uh, and so, so Hannah wasn't going to be there, but Jackson was going to be there. He had no choice. And then we had one other family that we had just met. They had, given the, they, they were, they had committed to bring their daughter and their son. And so we knew he had three kids. To be honest, though, let me just tell you, I wish I could stand here and tell you that I was like Joshua and that that night, you know, that Tuesday night that I was just, I felt the peace of God and, and I was just, I wasn't worried. And like, I was just like, wow, this is going to be awesome. The truth is, though, 
I was pretty scared. I was pretty worried. I was, you know, that night, Tuesday, and then all day Wednesday, I was, I was praying a lot. <laughs> it's a good thing. But I was praying a lot, and I was like, man, what if? You know, you, play, you guys play the what if game? Yeah, I play the what if game. What if only Jackson and this other two kids are there? And we have eight adults to do a children's ministry, and there's three people there. And one of them is my son. <laughs> and what, what if a couple of people get sick? <laughs> like, like, we're down to one. <laughs> and it's my son. Thanks for coming, Jackson. I mean, that is going to be awful. <laughs> right? I mean, I had the true, I was shaking, nervous. Like, this is going to be embarrassing if, if this is what happens. When you take a step of faith, though, God is faithful. And he may not be faithful in exactly the way that you want him to, and he may not be faithful in the exact timing that you want him to, but God is faithful. But in this case, God was faithful immediately. We got to um, that Wednesday night, and we, had, we set up all the things. You know, these walls are up, and we had all the stuff set up, the games and the, and the teaching and all that kind of stuff. And God brought 26 kids that first night. We averaged between 20 and 30 kids for the whole 10 weeks. By the end of that 10 weeks, we had so many people asking, hey, are you going to look like a normal church at some point and actually have a Sunday morning thing? They're like, ah, normal, that's funny. And so as a result of that, we had a preview service at the, before we ended that last, you know, that last 10 weeks of the Northridge Kids. And people started asking, and so we did another round of it in the spring. We started doing preview services. Within eight months, we had started weekly services. And here we are. The reason I share that with you is because God wants to do that with every one of you. Do you know that? He may not be calling you to plant a church, but he is calling you to do something that's scary that's hard, that scares you, that makes you worried, that makes you play the what if game. God is calling you to do that. It is not a question. The question is, are you willing to answer what he's asking you to do? Are you willing to step out in faith it might be something where you need to reach out to some people in your circles, invite them to church. It might be that God, God wants you to get involved here at Northridge and you've been scared that we're going to stick you in the nursery for 15 years and you just you can't take the step because you're worried about it. A thousand reasons, right? Why? Can I tell you that God is calling you to take a faith risk for every one of us, it's just going to be slightly different. That's the only difference. You will not experience the fullness of God's blessing unless you step in faith when he calls you to. You won't. How are the Israelites ever going to find the immensity and the greatness of the land if they never went to the land? They never would have experienced the promised land unless they actually got there. They had to take major risks to do it. So, 
For those of us here, I gave you two responses. One, if you have not accepted Christ yet, you already know what to do. Name, contact on the card, say, I want to get on God's team. Because you haven't accepted Christ yet. You, you haven't, haven't joined God's family, even though the invitation's been there. The second response is if you're already a follower of Christ, if you've been a part of Northridge, if you are a part of Northridge, just so you know, we are excited about that. We love that. God has brought us amazing people. I don't say that lightly. He has. I am so beyond thankful and blessed by the, the amount of people and just the amazing people that we know that God has brought this way. But if you're here, and if you have not taken a step of faith specifically for God, I don't mean for your family, I don't mean for a career, I don't mean any of that. Maybe that's part of it, okay? But maybe God is asking you to take a step of faith, a risk step. And maybe, maybe it's signing up and just hoping that you don't end up in the nursery. I keep using that. Pa- Pastor Chris is going to kill me later. I, <laughs> she's going to be like, why well, just jog down the nursery? Uh, just so you know, the nursery is awesome. All right. In fact, if you love kids and you think babies are great, you know where you probably should be sometimes in the nursery. And let me just tell you, if let's just go there for a minute. If you are here and you haven't just fully gotten active, actively involved in whether it's Northridge or some way in helping God in some way, actively helping him, okay, then put your name on a, on a connect card, just like I did, said before. Give us a contact, an email or a phone number, and then say, I want to get in the game, okay? That's all you have to write. Just name, some way to contact you, say, I want to get in the game. And then we, all you're doing, I promise you, I'm not going to say, hey, uh, so we got your name. I don't know who you are, um, but you're in the nursery next week. You know, that's not going to happen. What we will do is we'll have a conversation and say, hey, so you want to get involved? Tell me, tell me what you like to do and, you know, what are, what are some things that you're good at? Some of you maybe are tech people. We have tech stuff. Some of you are just really good at loving on people, like smiling. Good. You need to greet people. Some of you, you're awesome with kids. Some of you are scared of kids, but you're awesome with them. Well, we'll talk to you about children's ministry, and we'll we'll talk about that. But we'll have a conversation, and we'll allow God to, to guide and direct from there. Is that cool? All right, because we all, let me just tell you, God is calling Northridge not just to reach Wanakee, but to reach Dane County, to reach the state of Wisconsin, and to help reach other countries. I've already been talking with people about all of those things. God is calling Northridge to do a lot. There's no way that we can do this unless everybody is on board. Because believe it or not, that's why God brought you here. Believe it or not. So the question is, what's your response going to be? My encouragement to you is, if you're in one of those two boats... Those two responses, don't walk out of here without doing something with that Connect card. I'm okay if the Connect card, like box, lid won't close after today. I'm good with that. It will. It's plenty of space, but you know what I'm saying. What are you going to do? You will not experience the full power and blessing of God until you take those faith steps. 
that he's calling you to take.